Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. I seem to be missing somebody. Where is? Oh, here she comes. A fashionable entrance she makes. Come on, little Jenny. Come on. Hi there. All the things. Do you have your microphone? Good morning, everybody. How are you? It's good to be back with you this Sunday. Do you all have a good week? Sounded like seven people had a good week. The rest of you had terrible weeks this week? Uh, We're going to do some more prayer here. You falling off your chair? No, someone just said they didn't have a good week, so it's just... You know, more prayer. Was it Cam? (laughs) Um, This week, this Sunday, uh, we are going to talk about marriages. We had so much fun last week talking about kids. Marriage. We had so much fun last week talking about parenting and kids um, that uh, we wanted to talk this week about marriages and what that looks like. And so we're going to talk about this together this morning. But before we do... um, and Pastor Jen has a little story she wants to share. A story? Oh, no, I have a joke. Oh, a like, joke. Guys, okay. in like five years, my first joke in five years. <laughs> Get ready for, we probably need Josiah on the drums to do a little. five more years. Nora's like, you know, like, you know, think, marriage is a serious topic, you know, and it's like, let's just start with something light. Who likes jokes? Who likes to laugh? I like to laugh. I and don't. you know what I love, too, is it's just like the presence of the Lord, like the Lord speaking to us just about enjoying things, not just enduring, like to enjoy and that. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Church should be fun. Should church be fun? Church yes. should 100% serious, but it should be fun, too. And, um, or where do I have this? Okay, so, a husband and wife had been married for 60 years. I should have tested this on you first. Maybe nobody will laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not funny. Too In true Jenny form, I will be the only one laughing at my jokes. You're so in the middle great. of it now. <laughs> A husband and wife had been married for 60 years and had no secrets except for one. The woman kept in her closet a shoebox that she forbade her husband from ever opening. But when she was on her deathbed and with her blessing, he opened the box and found a crocheted doll and $95,000 in cash. (laughs) So she said, my mother told me the secret to a happy marriage was never to argue, she explained. Instead, I should keep quiet and crochet a doll. Her husband was touched. Um, Only one doll was in the box. That meant she'd been angry with him only once in 60 years. And he said, but what about all this money, he asked. Oh, she said, that's the money I made from selling the dolls. (laughs) 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 Yep, as soon as he said the one doll, I knew exactly where this joke was going. I thought it was funny. Hey, before we jump into into marriages, today's a good day to talk about marriages, because if if you don't know, Reese got engaged last night. Friday, Friday. So this is a a perfect Sunday for Reese, but Jess is not here yet. Next service, next service. So we're going to talk about marriages. Marriage can be um, fun. Fun. Let's... Yes, let's have, let's, have a, let's have a truthful moment together this morning, shall we? We had truthful moments last Sunday, but let's have another truthful moment. And um, for, let's see, who's all married in the room? Who's been married longer than 10 years? Longer than 15 years? Longer than 20 years? Oh, man. 
Longer than 25 years. No, not yet. Sort of. Well, we're, in it, the middle. we're working towards 26. We've been married 25 and a half yeah. years, in case yeah. you forgot. Uh, who's been longer than uh, 30 years? Okay, 30, 40 years. 50 years. How, how many years have you guys been married? 56? Wow. wow. <laughs> you were a baby. Lay so I want to, who has the box full of cash and a doll? <laughs> <laughs> Since you're creeping up on 60 years. Okay, so now that we know who we're talking to, let's have a moment of honesty and a truthful moment. And listen, even though we're talking about marriage today, uh, you guys who are not married, you need to listen today and take notes because, you know, most likely the chances are one day you will be married. And so this is going to be good stuff for you to listen to as well, Okay. All right, so a truthful moment. Let's put a question on the screen. And on when this, this, just like last week, when this question goes on the screen, everybody shout out the first response that comes to your mind. Remember, not the churchy response, not the Jesus response, the first response, the real response. It's a place of mercy. Huh? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying like to everyone, you're in a safe place today. All right. Okay, so here we go. Three, two, one. Marriage is wild. <laughs> okay, see, last week when we were talking about parenting, everybody shouted their answers out. This week, because your spouses are sitting beside you, everybody's like, marriage is <laughs> My spouse is sitting right beside me, but I want to say hard. <laughs> marriage can be difficult, can't it? You're literally taking two separate people Two individuals who have their own lives and their own thoughts and their own identities. And when you get married, you're merging them into one person, right? It can be a hard road to walk. Has anybody ever experienced a hard time in your marriage? Have you ever found like, oh, this is, you know, we, um, when when you get married, I was talking to somebody recently. And when you get married, you know, most people do pre marriage counseling. And I was having a conversation with my dad a couple of years ago, and he's like, you know, I don't think, he said, pre-marriage counseling, sure, there's a couple things you probably need to talk about. He said, I think what most people need is like post-marriage counseling after the first year of marriage, because when you're about to get married, your head is in the clouds. All you can think about is finally getting married and like living your life together, sharing a bed, going on your honeymoon, setting up your house and how magical it's going to be and how romantic and all the dinners you're going to have and all the fun. And then a year into it, you're like, who have I married? Who is this person? Who makes these noises while they sleep? Why can't this person put the dishes in a dishwasher like a normal person? Not, I, I just it's happen to thing. look at Jen. I'm not it's talking. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> and so marriage can be hard. And so I wanted to start off just kind of like we did last week. And I wanted to take a look and find out what the dictionary definition of marriage is. Because it's a good place to start understanding what marriage is. We know what marriage is as believers and followers of Jesus. But let's look for just a moment at what the dictionary says marriage is. Can I interject for Absolutely. a moment? I just want to read this. Read it. And you know, um, I'm going to read a scripture in a little bit. Not right now. Um, but the Lord really put me, put you singles that are waiting to be married on my heart really strong last night, actually through a scripture. I'm going to read that in a little bit, but not right now. But the Lord has a scripture for you guys, okay? 
And, and the Lord was already ministering to us. I love that the Lord is already setting things up, even in pre-service prayer this morning. Like, the Lord is here, and he's not just here to just speak the word, but he's here to minister to us. And in Job 23, 8, 14, it says, Look, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he works on the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from his, the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is unique, and who can, who can make him change? And this is, this is the part, you guys. And whatever his soul desires, he does, for he performs what is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. So that would be a word for you, is that you're in the heart and mind of God. But here's a word for you guys. Worship while you wait. Say that again. Worship while you wait. Waiting is not, is not wasted time. It's preparation time. Girls, hide yourself in Christ so that you're so confident that when that guy found you, he was hidden in Christ too because he had to go there to find you. Amen? Guys and girls, God doesn't just have anyone for you. He has someone special just for you, and they will be worth the wait. And I just want to mention a few people in the Old Testament and, and one in the New, Jesus. You know, you're in good company. We're all in good company with waiting because we're all in a season of waiting, amen. It seems like that was on God's heart and mind as he created us to wait, that, his, that he could be more perfectly formed within us. But Hannah, she waited 19 years. Joseph, 13. Abraham, 25. Moses, 40. And, you know, we could even think about this. Jesus, 30, but that was for his ministry. But all of these waiting on the promise and the fulfillment from their father. Amen? Yeah. So as we're waiting, all of us, let's keep worshiping. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, so, you know, last week we're talking about people, and uh, I want to encourage you next week to come back. I was already getting ready for next week's service yesterday because God was putting some stuff in my heart. Um, we're going to talk about loving yourself and loving other people next week. Last week we talked about loving and parenting our kids. Today we're talking about our marriages. But I think we can all agree that family, the family unit, is under attack. Uh, and as we move forward through history, it's just going to be more and more of an attack. And so we need to take some time, like we did last week and this week and next week, talking about what, what biblical foundations we have in marriage and kids and parenting and loving others so that we can be lights in the dark places for society and for the wherever you find yourself, you can be an example of what God has called us to be. And so that's why we're talking about this. Listen, I looked up um, a few stats. And, you know, it's still true. On, st on Stats Canada, the, the, the stats are 50% of first-time marriages will fail. 60% of seven-time marriages or second, second marriages will fail. And then um, over 70% of third marriages. So if you get married once and then get a divorce, if you get married again, the, the statistics say, like the worldly statistics say, that you'll lose it again in 60% of the chance, and then 70 for third. Listen, it is hard. It's hard taking two people and putting them together, but with God, all things are possible, amen? And so we're talking about godly marriage. So I looked up in the dictionary what marriage was, and so uh, Merriam-Webster tells us that marriage is the state of being united as spouses in a consensual and contractual relationship recognized by law. Boo. Boo. Good old, good old that's a terrible definition. I mean, like, that's, a, that's, like, listen, 
this just says, like, right now, so this is a good reflection of where society is at right now. There's no mention of God in this covenant or contract. It is purely civil and uh, recognized by the government. Let's go back 200 years and look at Noah Webster's dictionary definition, and it says this. It says, the act of uniting a man and woman for life, and I want to pause. Life. Yeah, I want to pause wow. just for a second. When I was actually reading the, the, the current definition of marriage, there was an asterisk saying that at the bottom, they said, go read the bottom note, and it talked about how the current definition of marriage was being so redefined that they, they removed the words man and woman because there's so much turmoil over what can be married and who can be married. And so you go back 200 years, and right off the bat, Noah Webster says, it's the act of uniting a man and woman for life. Then it says, wedlock, the legal union of a man and woman for life. Marriage is a contract, now hang on, both civil and religious, right? Which is by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. Then it goes on, it says, marriage was instituted by God himself for the purposes of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic felicity. Domestic felicity is a fancy 200-year-old way of saying a happy home. And then it says, and for securing the maintenance and education of children. Wow. Now that's a definition. That's a definition. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 is the very beginning, it's the account of how God created the heavens and the earth, and he created everything on them. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, can we put that scripture up there? It says, then God blessed them, talking about man and woman, and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals that scurry along the ground. Right off the bat, this is, I don't know if you know this or not, but this is the first command that is given in the Bible, given to man, given to, given to man and woman, and he says, here you are, my my command to you is to be fruitful and multiply. This is the reason I have brought you together. This is why you're here, to have kids, to raise godly offspring, and to govern and rule the earth. This is why you're here. And what I love in the, in the account of Genesis is how God is in the middle of it the entire time. If you read the first couple of chapters when God is making the heavens and the earth, he, he's creating Adam and he says it's not good that man should be alone. And so he says, I'm going to make a helper for him. All the while, God is in the middle of this thing. Listen, your marriage... When you get married, and for those of you who are married, and maybe well, one day if you, if you have, were married and you're not married anymore, and one day you want to be married again, you know, when you get married, God is going to be in the middle of that because you're taking two separate people and putting them together, and the way for this marriage and this relationship to sex successfully, not sexfully, <laughs> although maybe that works. We know what he's thinking about. <laughs> Fully sex. <laughs> successfully, for it to successfully, I'm not even nervous or, or I'm not even uh, embarrassed about saying the word sex, just so you know. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to navigate this, put this inside. <laughs> We've had it twice. <laughs> we have two children. <laughs> Here is our proof. <laughs> For marriages to successfully, there we go, be accomplished and become what God has called them to be, God must be in the middle of them. 
It's not just like Merriam-Webster says. It's not just a civil contract. It is a religious covenant where you stand before your friends and your family and God, and you are inviting God into the middle of that relationship and say, here we are together. Come into this relationship and help us become who you have called us to be. I like that because like in a contract, like see with the covenant, can you hold my hand for a minute? I can. In a covenant, Jesus is in the middle of that. And without that covenant, in the hardest moment of our life, we will never be able to stay together apart from the grace of God. But in the hardest moments of their life, and there was hard moments, there have been hard moments hard, unbelievably hard moments in our life, but it was the covenant that we made and the covenant we made before God, to God, but the covenant that we made towards one another that said, you know, in our weakness, you are strong, amen? And that grace in the darkest moments of our marriage abounded in those moments saying we can't, but Jesus can. See, if we made a contract, we don't have that covenant of Jesus holding us together, but through that covenant, grace can. Amen. Can I add a couple of my thoughts just to what you're saying? And um, I just said marriage isn't a promise to be in love. It's a promise of opportunity to love like Jesus did. Happily ever after is not something that just happens. It's a faith-filled definition that we pursue and we cultivate. Amen. In Matthew 19, 11, uh, and verse 12, in the message, Jesus said this. He was talking about marriage, okay? So you can look it up for yourself if you would like uh, later today or this week in a different translation. But he said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude in grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others get asked or accepted, or, or others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. I love this part. But if you're capable, church, of growing in to the largeness of marriage, do it. If you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. And I wanted to add, because this goes with what you're saying, not only is marriage the first institution established by God, but it's also a poetic symbolism church that he uses to represent the depths of his love for us and his commitment to us, his church and his bride. So the bride and the groom are a picture of the church and Christ. Amen? And this is why there's such an assault on marriages. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? And that we know in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in in dark places. Um, But John Bevere said this. He said, the enemy is working behind the scenes to twist and pervert the divine merger. He will not stop attacking marriages until he has utterly destroyed our frame of reference for the way God loves and relates to his people. And I want to end with this, but you are graced to be married to your spouse. If you're sitting by your spouse, look at your spouse right now. Say, I'm graced to be married to you. And you're graced to be married to me. Yeah, if they're not just saying your heart. With the covenant of marriage, and I already said this, comes the grace of God, and I already said this, in your hardest moment of marriage, church, God was and he's with you. In the darkest season, not for one moment was he not there, but just like the Bible says, all God's promises in him are yes and amen. I'm going to say that. All God's promises in him are yes and amen. And you have to be careful, okay? In one of the darkest seasons of our life, the enemy started whispering in my ear, you married the wrong person. True story. I'm being really vulnerable with you right now. He said, you married the wrong person. This was not God. This was the enemy. You start thinking something garbage, 
like that and eventually you'll begin to believe the lie that I married the wrong person and you'll see everything uh, perverted and twisted through the lens of the enemy and not through the lens of God. So in your hardest moments, you have to be reading the word like never before so that no lie from the enemy can get into your head planting this the lie and trying to twist it and make it into truth. Amen? Yeah. Amen. You made a covenant. Can you hold my hand? We made a covenant, and in that covenant was grace. And, and as we just say, we can't, in the hardest moments that we've been through, we can't, but Jesus can. Grace poured out, and guess what came with grace? Healing and unity. You know, we're not in competition. This is, this is an opportunity for us to walk in one of the greatest unions that God ever had, and that was marriage, where there's such power. That's right. Amen? Yeah. And, you know, with a contract, just what you're talking about, with a contract, you can always find a loophole to get out, can't okay. you? Or, you can a you always, or a lawyer. Yeah, that's right. You can, you, I was going to say you can go find a, a lawyer and find a loophole, a, a way to get out of a contract that you've entered into. But in a covenant, it's a covenant that you are not only making with this person, but with the Lord. And you have entered that covenant. And when you enter into that covenant, there is a grace that comes upon you to walk that covenant out in all of its fullness. The Bible says that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. So when you step into a marriage covenant, it's not just me and Jen that are entering into this. It's me and Jen and the Lord. And he is that third strand of the cord that keeps us bound together in the darkest and hardest times. Right? And so you have to, listen, at the end of the day, I've got to, men, my relationship with the Lord has to be strong and secure, and that is my foundation. And, and listen, ladies, your foundation and your, your strength comes from the Lord. Jen's talking about the hardest days that we've walked through. What me and Jen have always had going for us in the worst and the hardest times is that even, let's be really real, even in those days when I, I'll talk about me, when I really don't like Jen, when she's done something and she's really made me angry. Am I alone? Yes, I'm alone. I'm the only person that feels this way. They haven't been married 25 years. Yeah, mm -hmm. yes. It's okay. I know I'm the only person that feels this way. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Don't worry. Levi's raising his hand. Don't look, Nicole. Um, in, in those hardest times, what we've always had going for us is that our foundation in our life is found in Jesus. And so I can always turn back to the Lord and he will correct me and he will spank me and he will lead me back to truth so that I am able to reconcile with my wife so that we can continue to walk the road together. But if you don't have that foundation in him, you're going to be trying to work at this at your own. And if you're working at it on your own, just like so many other things in your life, you're working harder than you have to. Because there is a grace that comes from the Lord. Yeah. I'm going to get ahead, ahead of ourselves, but I, I want to thank you. We're almost out of time. And I don't wanna, we're almost out of time. We gonna, might have to preach for a few weeks on marriage. But I want to say, too, in that the hardest moments of our life, I don't think we were meaning to be so vulnerable, but I'm sure you're okay with it, <laughs> um, is that I want to thank you. And we haven't got into 1 Corinthians 13, but where it says love suffers long and is kind. Mm -hmm is that I can remember that moment. And girls, if you were here at the ladies' night, you would have heard me share about, you know, that moment that I just, like, fell on the floor and I said, Jesus, I'm so broken. Would you fix me? This was all part of that season. And I remember getting up the next day and we were in the kitchen and I said to Jake, it's going to take me a long time to come back, but I promise you I will come back. I will walk through mud for you and for those kids. Because yeah. I made a covenant. 
And it was the enemy had just so pulled me down and just dragged me down. Like, there's just, there's just like a whole thing there, you know. And um, where was I going through this? But what helped me was that my husband was a man of the word. And he understood, even from when we were teenagers, 1 Corinthians 13 was our passage. We've been together since we were like 10. For, for real, you know, and, and for 1 Corinthians 10 was always our passage. Remember, we used to make fun of each other, and yes. we'd hold each other accountable, even when we were 13, over 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, that's not in 1 Corinthians 13. You're not <laughs> acting like 1 Corinthians 13 right now. And so when it said love suffers long and is kind, and, like, so, like, it's funny to think back that this was, like, in our roots of our relationship, really. I'm just, like, the lights are just, like, coming Remember on this Remember that Petra song? Love is patient. <laughs> Jake's no, really into not. Petra right now. He's going back. To like I don't know what's 90s. happening, guys. I'm just finding some old Petra albums. I got in the car the other day and Secret Ambition from Michael W. Smith was playing. It was awesome. So great. It's a great song. But I want to thank you for, for not just being a man of the word, but being a husband of, of the word and a husband that was surrendered enough to Christ not to give up on me. And to practice the word. So when it said love suffers long and is kind, I knew that you were willing. Even if I didn't crawl back in mud, you would have still been standing there praying and waiting for me. Because that's what love does. And that's what love is. Amen. Amen. Ooh. Thank you for thanking me. <laughs> I'll be waiting for mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a healer. Yeah. Love is a healer. Love is a healer. And, you know, be, just being real, when, when we went through this season that Jen is referring to in our life, like, um, I don't know how long ago, it was 15 years, 12 years ago, something like that, um, it, was, it wasn't easy to just say, okay, I'll, I'll be here waiting and, and, and praying. It, it was hard, and, and it's, when, it's when it took real love kicking in and saying, I will walk through this with you. It's when it would have been easier to leave and say, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. I don't feel like this is what I signed up for. Um, and, and I want to go do something else, and I want to find somebody else who makes me feel a different way. But love doesn't do that, and a covenant doesn't do that. A covenant says, I will walk through that. And listen, many times, you know, going back to talking about our kids last week, Many times, some of the things that helped us continue on was saying, we have to be an example for our family and for our kids to see what marriage and what love truly looks like. So that one day down the road, they'll say, you know what, I know that stuff got hard at some point for mom and dad, but they still walked it out no matter what. And here we are today with, they're still married, they still have grandkids. You know, one day we'll be married 56 years. One day we'll be married 75 years. One day we'll be married 120 years. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have a shoebox with $300,000 in it. It'll be wonderful. Then we can take all that money when we're 140 years old and go, go buy a McDonald's cheeseburger. Cindy's like, I'll have it. Yeah, quit, quit greedy. Don't be greedy. But you know, like life is a struggle. Like Life is a struggle. We know that Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, you know, to all of us, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So it's okay to struggle. You know, we're just being real here. But what the Lord's saying is just don't quit. You know, and now I'm jumping to the end of it. Maybe that's because we're supposed to share a story in the 9 o'clock. Maybe we won't do this. This was not on the agenda at all. 
Yeah, none of this was. We got, I got my marriage scripture done, or my marriage, my marriage definitions done. We're almost out of time, but I want to talk about what we're trying to talk about. And what we're talking about is that family and marriage is under fire. And when you stepped into a covenant relationship with your spouse and with the Lord, and one day when you step into those relationships, one day when you stand at the altar before the minister and your family and friends, and you've got your spouse there and you're ready to get married, you will be stepping into something that is beautiful and grueling at the same time. I am wholeheartedly convinced that one of the big parts of marriage is to grind you and to reshape you and mold you more into the character of Christ. Nothing will work harder on your flesh than being married. Nothing will cause you to, in your fits of rage, in your hurts, in your wounds, in your frustrations, when you run to Christ, having to surrender yourself. You hear us talk all the time that love really is, at, at its essence, at, at its core of what it is, is love is sacrifice. Yeah. It is not what you get from somebody. Right. It's not what you receive. It's not gifts. It's not feeling good. It's not um, getting hugs, and it's not kissing somebody, and it's not going on awesome dates. Those are all things that come along with it, but that's not what love is. John 3.16 says that God loved you so much that he gave. Jesus said that there is no greater love than to lay your life down. So love in its purest form is sacrifice, and that sacrifice, what it continually causes you to do, men, what it continually causes me to do, listen to me. If you're not married yet, listen to me. If you are married, listen to me. Men, if, if you are a man and you're in a relationship, what love constantly causes you to do is to lay down your life for your wife and your kids. That means that you surrender all of who you are to Christ and say, your kingdom come and your will be done in me and through me. Help me to love my wife as you love the church is what it says. And so what that does is it causes Christ's character to be formed inside of me so that I can fully love Jen the way that she desires and needs to be loved. And that only happens through crushing and through pressure and through surrender. Yeah, and as you do that, and you do that very well, and the kids would attest to that, you know, if I, if I ask them publicly here, is that as you do that, then that's the place where I'm able to, I, f I can trust you. Right. Because it's the love of God. And it's not just me trusting you, it's me trusting God. And then I can willingly surrender myself and, and submit to you and just be, because I see that you are a man surrendered under the mighty hand of God. Right. Yeah. Wow, guys. This is like Saturday morning marriage. Wasn't expecting it. <laughs> but I heard just. Bring out the whiteboard. Let's write notes down. <laughs> I think, I think that's a good place to stop. Yeah. Um, I want to encourage you. In a day and an age of life getting easier and easier, in the sense where 
you know, 50 years ago, there were morals and values that were upheld no matter how hard it was to uphold those values, no matter what it felt like. You just did the right thing because it was the right thing to do, and you knew it was the right thing to do. But we're living in a day and age where it just becomes easier and easier to do what feels good. Do what's best for you. Follow your own heart. And so we're living in a day and an age as, as we move forward. Listen, I was, when I was looking on Stats Canada website, um, they said, now this had in part to do with COVID, but in, in the year 2020, the marriage rate in Canada fell by 33%. And they said it was the lowest it had been since 1938. Now they did say this has a, a lot obviously to do with the fact that um, everything got shut down and, and people who wanted, you know, their big weddings and they couldn't have them. So people postponed and they rescheduled and they did different things. But they also said that on the heels of that, what they've noticed is that common law marriage is on the upswing now. And so people, instead of entering into a covenant and a contract, are just doing what is easy on their flesh. And I'm here to tell you today, we're here to tell you today that marriage isn't about what's easy on your flesh. Marriage is about a covenant and raising godly families the very first command in genesis chapter one be fruitful and multiply govern the earth you are called to enter into a godly contract a godly covenant with a spouse so that you can raise godly offspring and rule and reign over the earth that's what we're here to do and so don't take the easy way out don't believe the lies that that it's the grass is greener on the other side you all know this. The grass isn't greener on the other side. It may look greener over there, but the grass is always greener where? Where it's watered. And so we need to be people of God who take our covenants seriously, who take our marriage seriously, who take parenting our kids seriously, and we water our marriage. We work on our marriage. We're willing to say, this is really hard. I really don't like you right now. I'm really upset and I'm really hurt, but I'm willing to walk through this to the other side so that we can be who God has called us to be, so that his character is formed deeper inside of me. Do you have anything you want to say? Yeah. Right, yes. No, I think they're good without you. Um, do you want to go play the piano? I want to take a moment and I want to pray. And I want to pray for everybody here. I want to pray for people who are married. I want to pray for people who aren't married yet but are hoping to one day be married. Maybe you're in this place and you were married and you got divorced and you're moving on and you're, you know, you're looking for love again or you've lost your spouse. I want to pray for everybody. And what I want to pray is that Christ's character is formed more in us so that we can learn to love and walk in marriage the way that he has designed and called us to. So if, if you're with your spouse, I want you to hold their hand or put your arm around them or do something. If you're not married, then you can put your hand on your heart. You can raise your hand. Whatever you want to do as a sign of surrender and as a sign of Jesus, have your way inside of me. And we're going to pray together.
because I believe the Spirit of God is wanting to help strengthen and undergird because we all know that marriage really can be hard. So, Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you for your wisdom. Father, I thank you for the men right right now in this room. God, I ask that you are revealing your desires and your plans for what marriage looks like for them. God, I ask that you are strengthening them to love their wives or their future wives the way that you have called them to, that they begin to understand what it looks like to lay their life down for their wife and for their family, that it's not just a a relationship of ease or something that they get, but Father, you are teaching them to be men after your own heart that are willing to sacrifice, that are willing to lay down, lay lay down themselves, lay down their ambitions, lay down their own desires, Father, but lay them down to create something greater, to create a marriage that lasts, to create a marriage that reveals who you are to the world. Father, I thank you for the wives in this room. Why don't you pray for the wives? Yeah, I want to pray for healing. Is that okay? Yeah. We stand up, church. Let's stand up. God, I thank you for love today for a love that brings healing and a love that brings hope and a love that brings strength and a love that brings peace and a love that brings endurance and so that we can bear all things, that we can believe all things, that we can hope all things, Lord, inside of your love, Jesus. God, I thank you that you're pouring your love out like oil over marriages in the house today, Lord Jesus, and even over waiting, Lord Jesus. Lord, would you just pour out the oil of your love this morning, that oil that brings healing in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that your love is the uh, is the bond of perfection, yes. Lord, and it's even binding marriages even more tightly together today, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you for this covenant of marriage, a covenant that stands strong and cannot be broken and will stand the test of time, a covenant that brings light in the darkest of places, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you that you're pouring out your light on marriages and homes and parents today in the name of Jesus. God, and I thank you that that love grows. It grows. It grows. It grows, Lord Jesus. And would you give us eyes to see that our spouse is never the enemy, but there is an enemy that roars, comes around roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, Lord. But even in our darkest moments, you are there. And even in the darkest moments, the light of your love shines brighter, Lord Jesus. So would you give us your eyes today, Jesus, to see our spouses like you see them, Lord, that we would see clearly and we would see rightly and we would see accurately, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you that you are burning a fire inside of our heart to raise up a holy generation, God. God, that we would walk in our marriages in the fear of the Lord, that we would parent our children in the fear of the Lord, that we would lead our homes and the generations to come in the fear of the Lord, Lord Jesus, that we would be aware that it's not just about now, but it's about later. What we plant now, they will sow later. What we plant now, they will reap later, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you're branding that on our hearts strong this month. Jesus, let it grow. Let it grow that this is a house of love. This is a house of love, unconditional love, a love that cannot be broken, a love that will not quit, a love that does not fail, a love like you, Jesus.
Father, we just thank you for an anointing and a grace to come upon us right now. Jesus. To walk in a marriage covenant before you that is honoring to you, that is honoring to your name. I thank you for great grace in every conversation, in every season. Father, I ask that by your spirit, you are strengthening us, leading us and guiding us, giving us the words to say, the thoughts, when to speak and when not to speak, Father, that you are teaching us to be people after your own hearts and your own desires and your thoughts, Jesus. Help us to be men and women of God that are lights for you, declaring the goodness of God in every area. When the world says divorce, you say stay together. When the world says it's impossible, you say all things are possible. What the world calls dead, Father, you say it is alive in me. We speak great grace to every marriage and every future marriage in this room in the name of Jesus. That what you've called, you have appointed, Father. And I thank you right now for the grace to walk through every season in covenant with you. Your your word says that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And Father, I thank you that you are continuing to hold us together by your grace and by your spirit. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are, for all you do. We ask all these things in your son's name. In Jesus' name. We say amen. Amen. Do you have anything else you want to say? Yeah, let's go ahead and sing this song together. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.